welcome to The Dream, The Date, and The Broken Bra. I am your host, Stephanie Brownyard. I have an insatiable desire for adventure and knowledge, and with this, I have been on a quest to discover what the purpose of life is and what it all means. In this podcast, we will embark on a journey, the journey of life. With my guest, we will share in stories and celebrate all that life has to offer from the challenging times to the victories of one's dreams, love, and life experiences. Through authentic conversation and thought-provoking dialogue, it is my hope you will unravel and uncover the magic that makes your life so extraordinary. We all come from different walks of life with different beliefs, but we all have similar desires and needs. Our paths are all so different, but yet we are all so connected. Let's come together to hear each other and to learn from one another and see the beauty in every experience, no matter how difficult or challenging it may be. In the process, we can all heal a little, have some laughs, and perhaps shed a few tears with a whole lot of inspiration. Join me on this exploration to uncover your magic. Are you ready? Hello, friends. Welcome to The Dream, The Date, and The Broken Bra. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I love my conversation today with my friend, Megan Murphy. It is such a heartfelt episode as Megan and I talk about her journey to becoming a mother. Megan was one of those women who always knew her purpose was to be a mom. She didn't bear her own children, but when she discovered her path to becoming a mom, Her mama bear instincts came out in full effect, and she stopped at nothing to bring her babies home. I love hearing her story, and I get so inspired listening to her fierceness at stopping at nothing to bring her babies home to love on them. I have been honored to meet her children, and each one of them is a shining light. I get to witness the love, connection, and bonds they have created with one another, And I love experiencing their family dynamic because it is truly an amazing example of love. So tune in to hear Maggie's heroic adventures of creating the family she always wanted. If you so kindly feel inspired to share this episode with a friend, family, coworker, anyone in between, I would be so grateful. This helps me spread the love and commitment people have to making this world a better place and sharing their journeys and inspiring stories. And as always, I love hearing from you. So please feel free to share feedback and say hello at stephaniebrownyard at gmail.com or find me on most social media platforms at Stephanie Brownyard. Enjoy the episode and make it a wonderful day. Hi, Maggie. Hi. Hi. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm so thankful that you came on. I know that you're really nervous, but you're a gem. And I just really felt strongly about sharing your story with people because I think it's something very brave and courageous. Like, it's not a common story, but I think it's like one that needs to be heard. And I just thought it was great to hear about your journey because for me, we're going to talk about you adopting three children from Ethiopia, and which I think is so amazing because for me, like, I don't have kids and I know I'm getting to an age of like, Am I going to have kids? Not going to have kids. And I'm not really quite ready, but I don't always necessarily think of the outside the box of like, oh, you can adopt kids. Okay. You can adopt kids here in the United States or like there's, you know, other kids all around the world that need love and like 
a better opportunity. So I just really love your story with like your kids and you wanting to always be a mom and like how you found your like three little blessings and like seeing your little family unit. It's so remarkable to me that I just love watching you. And I just think you're such an amazing like role model for them. And you're just like this little fun, sweet person and you handle it like from what I see with all grace and like seeing who they're becoming you know I don't know them that well I've just met them probably in the past few years and um, like but just seeing who they are is really remarkable and you're doing it all on your own of course with your family close by but really doing it on your own but before we get into that I also want to thank you because if it wasn't for you probably this podcast would never have started because you like a few years ago told me I should start a show and I thought it was like a joke and I treated it like a joke and then a year and a half later um here we are so thank you so much (laughs) well I want to say to you it's an honor to be here and to be on this that started out as kind of a joke (laughs) Kind of something to super out there. And it's been so impressive to see you just jump straight into it. And um, I think that's pretty remarkable. Thank you, love. (laughs) Thank you. And I just love you to death. Just for our listeners, Maggie and I have become bonded through jujitsu. She claims that she's taller than me. Or she acts like she's way (laughs) taller than me, but we're like two two inches (laughs) apart. (laughs) But she's so tiny. She's a spitfire out on the mats. Like you're like, oh, there's this like little cute thing. And she just comes at you and you're like, holy shit, what's going on? (laughs) So she's like, oh, I had brothers growing up. But, you know, (laughs) I love our group and I love our friendship. You know, we really have gotten through jujitsu. It's a magical place. I, I don't know how, like, we're there trying to kill each other, but then somehow it's so vulnerable and the friendships that we've made and our friendship, I value it greatly. So, yeah, it's like nothing else. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Yeah, it's like I can't even, it's hard to explain, but I just, it is hard. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it definitely bonds you in a different way. It is so vulnerable and so. I don't know. You're just there touching each other and, you know, I don't know. It's visceral. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But it's also fun. And I think because it takes, like, I I feel like it takes a certain person to do jujitsu in it themselves. Like you say, like the vulnerability, like someone's literally within your like personal space. You got to one, get comfortable with someone being in your personal space, someone like sweating on you and, <laughs> and then, yeah, like trusting that person. Cause you're trusting them to stop trusting yourself. And they're like, you say, like there's a vulnerability about it that breaks down these barriers that kind of opens you up to like, be really open with these people. Right. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I think it increases the bond. Yes. Yeah, nothing I ever imagined I'd do. I know. Me neither. <laughs> rolling around, sweating on people. Yeah. Never imagined. I always actually like with rolling with the guys, I always test who I'm going to actually, I, I do. And I don't, I always test the guys like, okay, what round are we in? I'm going to, I save the, the females <laughs> to train with after like doing the guys. Cause they're less sweaty, you know, by the, okay. the, the, yeah. the beginning. <laughs> Who's going to smell the best mm-hmm. after five rounds? Exactly. Yeah. 
You always know. There's certain ones that always smell better. <laughs> we, we, there's word around, like, you know, we keep that mellow going. Yeah. But, well, yeah. thanks for being here. And so, yeah, I, again, talking about, may you have three kids. Do you want to, like, say their names and their ages? Sure. Okay. So, my oldest is Tiggest. Um, she is 19 and we used to say Tiggis is the biggest, but um, now she's actually the smallest. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> <funny>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Abby, her full name is Abikia, but we call her Oh, Abby. I love that. And then, yeah, yeah I love that Abikia. too. She is 17. And then Baruch, my baby, is 14. Who he's and... taller than everybody. Your baby is oh, yeah, taller than huge. everyone. Yeah. He's almost six foot. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Huge. And how old is he? So Sorry. He's 13? He's 14. 14? 14. He just turned 14. So yeah. And it's kind of unique. There's a lot of things unique about our story. But one thing that's really special is that I actually adopted my son first. So I adopted, he's the youngest, but he came home first. So we did things really out of order and kind of really roundabout ways. But yeah, so he was my first and now he's my baby. (laughs) (laughs) So let's go back to that time. So you were married at the time. Yeah. yeah. And um, you wanted to have kids or you didn't want to have kids. What yeah. was that like decision? Well, I always knew I wanted to be a mom I, ever since I can remember. That was something that, you know, I went to college, didn't really know what I wanted my career to be, but I knew I always wanted to be a mom. And I knew I thought I wanted to have a lot of kids. I thought I wanted to have four or five. <laughs> Turns out three is pretty good. But <laughs> I mean, to be honest, adoption was never on my radar. It's just something I never really thought about. And I guess I assumed it was for people that maybe can biologically have kids. I knew one of my best friends growing up, her parents adopted kids from Russia later on in life. They were too old to have kids, but wanted to have more kids. So, you know, it just wasn't on my radar. And the guy I was married to didn't want to have kids. And that was something that we actually almost broke up over. But he said he was open to adoption. So I think at the time I was really young. And I think I kind of assumed, oh, he'll eventually change his mind. He'll come around. We're so young, whatever. And so kind of naive, naively thought that. And so we ended up getting married and um, a couple of years passed. And it was that time we started having that conversation again. And he was still really set that he didn't want to have kids but that he was open to adoption. And so I realized, you know, well, if I want to be a mom, I guess I better explore this. And and it was just an idea at the time. It was just kind of this foreign idea, but I started researching it. And I don't know if they still do this anymore, but back then they would do this thing called photo listing where they would put pictures of all the available kids online. So you literally would see maybe their name and age and a little picture of them. In Ethiopia or all over like, all over the world. All over. And I think even... They may okay. still do that in the US um, with mm-hmm. older kids. But okay. yeah, it was all over. I think it was, there was some in Russia, I think at the time is what maybe we were looking into. And I remember seeing these faces of these little kids and thinking, oh my gosh, like I could be their mom. And it wouldn't be weird. There's these beautiful kids. All these kids need parents. And it mm-hmm. just really struck a chord with me. And I dove headfirst into just researching it and looking into it. And at that time, it... And there may still be now, but there was a ton of blogs of families that had adopted. And a lot of them were international. And a lot of them were families choosing to adopt over have biological kids instead of maybe versus not being able to. 
So that was really interesting. And it was interesting to see their stories. And kind of as I read their Mm -hmm. stories and saw those pictures, it just made it seem more real, seemed less of an idea and something that I could see myself doing. And it was a, a long and windy road to get to Ethiopia where I adopted all three of my kids. And, but I initially, we started out, I knew I wanted a closed adoption. You know, if I were to do it again today, I might feel differently. But at that time, I was pretty certain I wanted a closed adoption, which means you have no contact with the biological parents once it's finalized um, or ever even in the process. And so it seemed to make sense then if that's what I was wanting to go overseas, it seemed like, you know, that was the easiest way to do that. So we started looking into different countries. Initially, we had signed up with Kazakhstan, which was just kind of random. It just seemed interesting. It's, you know, um, between Asia and Russia and the kids are really cute. Some, they look, some kids look more Asian, some are more Russian looking. It just seemed interesting. I mean, it was really just, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of just picking one and going for it. And as we were beginning, there's a ton of paperwork that goes into it. And as we were starting the paperwork, Kazakhstan shut down to international adoption. So we had to make a decision switching to a different country. And so we decided just kind of randomly again, um, maybe we'll pick Russia. You know, it's right there. We had known some families that had adopted from Russia, kind of without even really knowing about it. We picked it. And so we started the paperwork. And interestingly enough, the man I was married to, he traveled a lot for work. And we were he happened to have to go to Russia for work uh, during that time. So I was able to go to St. Petersburg and Moscow and... <laughs> to be honest, it was a cool place to see, but I did not feel a connection at all. Okay. It was kind of the opposite. It was really weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And later on, in contrast with Ethiopia. Were you just like making that based on like meeting the kids or just in like the country itself, like traveling around? Just in general. Yeah, we had just started the paperwork. So it was very be- in the very beginning of the adoption stuff. Okay. Yeah. And as I started to learn more about Russia, you know, there's tons of kids that need families, but unfortunately, just the culture and just how things are, a lot of the kids aren't really in a lot of instances, I won't say all the time, but, um, you know, the conditions they live in are pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And they're bad in Ethiopia too, but in a different way, you know, they leave, they're kind of known for leaving babies in cribs and not getting that physical touch. A lot of the babies don't learn to crawl. Um, in Russia or in Ethiopia? Yeah, in Russia. And kind of learning more about that and combined with my own experience of going there and just kind of not really not really feeling that connection with the country. You know, I started to question whether that was the right choice. And we actually got matched. So when you start the process, you put down what if you want a boy or a girl, what age, they ask you a million questions in terms of what health conditions you're willing to take on. Like, would you adopt a baby that's deaf or blind or missing a limb or just it's an endless list. And it's really hard to go through and kind of make that decision. You know, the one thing in Russia is that there it's common for a lot of babies to be born with fetal alcohol syndrome, which yeah, uh, is visible. Like usually, you can kind of visibly detect it, but they don't. They would never tell you that because it's harder to diagnose. And I don't know. If, I can't remember if it's because they have to wait till the kids are older to really know, or if it's just a harder thing to know for sure. Yeah. But along with that comes a lot of behavioral issues, and it's kind of a scary thing, you know. If you don't know, you know, a new parent, you don't know a lot about it. So we got matched with a little boy. All right, can I ask you a question? 
Yeah. Are you like at this time, are you like, I'm just looking for one child? Or are you looking for more than one child? No, just one. Time? Yeah. Okay. A baby. You know, I think we put between zero. And oh, and two. you wanted a baby. Yeah. Okay. So you were looking for a baby. Yeah. We said zero to two. Okay. And it, usually it's not going to be a newborn. The baby would probably be mm-hmm. like six to nine months or older. Okay. And so we got matched with a little boy, but it was pretty apparent from the pictures that he probably had fetal alcohol syndrome. From Russia? You got from Russia. Yeah. And so it was a really hard decision, but it just felt pretty clear to me that this wasn't the right choice for us, at least not at that point in time. Mm -hmm. And it was a weird thing because it's like, well, I don't know. Here's a kid that needs a family. You know, what's going to happen to him? And it's, you know, it was, that was a hard Mm -hmm. decision, but I I just, Mm -hmm. honestly, I knew so clearly that he wasn't our baby. And so we walked away from that. And then, and are you and your husband, ex-husband on the same page with this? Are you guys like, yeah, we were on the same page. He kind of let me take the lead. He had less of a preference and was just kind of like, let me take over and do the research. And he was kind of supportive of whatever, you know, but can I ask one question too? What was it that he was okay with adopting? And again, that you don't have to answer this because it's from his perspective, but what had him be okay with adopting a baby, but not having a baby himself? Yeah, he had just always said he thought the world was a harsh place and okay. uh-huh. couldn't imagine bringing more kids into it. And especially knowing there were a lot of kids that needed families already. So that was yeah, kind of the extent of it. Cool. It never yeah. yeah, got beyond if there was anything deeper than that. But that's that's mm-hmm. what he told me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So sorry. <laughs> so there was the baby. Yeah, from so, Russia. so we made that decision to say no, to turn him down. And then shortly after that, we did a webinar with the adoption agency we were using. And they were going through all the countries that they facilitated adoptions with. And they said, we have this new country that just opened up to international adoption and it was Ethiopia. And I remember it was like a slideshow we were watching on the computer and there was the most beautiful baby I've ever seen in my life was like the picture they were using. And I was like, what? Like, where is this country? I need to know more. But like, as they were talking about it, I just felt this instant draw. I started looking into it and again, found a bunch of blogs of families that had adopted from Ethiopia. I read a really good book written by a woman that had gone there and it she just, as I was reading it and, you know, reading their stories and hearing what it was like, I was just in my heart. It just felt like that's where we're supposed to go. So long story short, we switched then over to, and they were also saying, you know, it usually happens pretty quick because it is a newer country. And there's back then, which was 2007, 2008, there were 6 million orphans just in Ethiopia alone. Mm. <laughs> so there's an extreme need. It's pretty crazy, pretty heartbreaking. And and the number Wait, one... Six, six million? Million orphans. Is that just like lack of birth control or... Well, it's, yeah, it's just a result of poverty, really. It's a lot of the yeah. parents dying. It's, you know, not having enough money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All of it. All of it. So... Oh, wow. So yeah, it, it just kind of felt like all of a sudden when I heard about this country and started reading more about it, it felt like that's where we were supposed to go. And so we made the switch. We had to redo a bunch of paperwork. And then nine months later, we were matched with my son, Baruch. Wow. So how long was the process to date from like when you had started and then you like went through Russia to when you got paired with Baruch? 
maybe like a year, a year and a half oh, at wow, the most. Okay. But yeah, I mean, you know, there were probably a few months where we were just tossing around the idea and kind of just loosely talking about it until when we actually like picked an adoption agency. And so, yeah, I would say it wasn't long. It was quick. Yeah, that's really quick. quick. So, and then, so you got paired uh, with Baruch and was Baruch born at that time? Yeah. So he, when we got matched with him, it was in November. So he was probably like, I think he was nine months old ish. Okay. Nine, 10 months old. And then his birthday is in January. So he turned a year and then we went to get him in March. So he was like, you know, 13, 14 months old. So, and at that point you hadn't been to the country like you had when you went to go visit Russia, right? So when you went and got Baruch, that was your first time there? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that was so surreal. What was that experience like? It was incredible. I, we got, I think we landed, it was nighttime. So we landed and we were going to go get him the next day and they took us to a guest house. We stayed there. He's really nice little guest houses and it was for these families that were adopting. So it was all the other guests were families that were adopting as well. And it's set up kind of like you have a common eating area and everyone would have dinner together and breakfast. And then you'd have your separate rooms and bathrooms. It was really, really nice. I mean, it was all gated. We pulled up and it's gated. And I always tell the kids, it's just, it had, it's so strange the way they do things. It's like barbed wire, but also like glass. I guess it's probably like that in Mexico too, where they have the broken glass up on the wall. So people won't come over the wall oh, and break okay. in. Mm-hmm. And there's always a guard at the gate. And this is for all the families that are coming to adopt kids. Yeah. And, it, and I mean, there's that probably maybe like four families there. Yeah. Four, okay. five uh-huh. families. So I couldn't sleep that night. I was just so excited. And um, anyway, and plus with the time change and everything else. And so we got up early the next morning. And so Baruch was born in Awasa, which is a Southern Ethiopia. And we were in the capital at Asbaba, which is North. So they had brought him from Awasa about a week or two before we came. And he was in this like transition home. And so we were going to meet him and, you know, take him back with us. And so we're sitting in the waiting room with a bunch of other families and we're waiting and waiting and they bring out all the kids and, you know, there's some toddlers and little kids and all the other families are meeting their babies and we're kind of sitting there and there's like no Baruch. And um, so we keep waiting and waiting. We're like, okay, when is he going to come out? And so we got it. Oh, we had come early too. We had gotten special permission to come a week early. And so I went and talked to the director and I said, Oh, you know, are they going to bring Baruch out soon? And he's like, Oh, and he looked at his paperwork and he's like, Oh, you're, you're early. And I'm like, yeah, but they were supposed to tell you, they said it was fine. And it was kind of a big deal. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, you know, I didn't know if I was going to be able to get him that day in the moment. It was super stressful. And so they said, okay, well let us figure some stuff out and then we'll get back to you. So anyway, we had to wait a couple extra hours. Yeah. And it was torture. And then, we finally were able to get him. So they just like rallied him. They're like, they are not, <laughs> okay, we're not ready for him. I think we had to make sure all the paperwork was in line and you know, whatever. Okay. I don't really even know why it took so long, but yeah, cause he, maybe they had to bring him from somewhere else that was close by. I can't remember. Yeah. So that was like an added little bump in the road. <laughs> yeah. 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 But yeah. It was pretty special. And so they let us back. He was in a crib and they had given him a little cookie and he was just sitting there super content eating cookies all over his cheeks. And so we picked him up and he kind of looked at us and I was holding him and he just started crying. <laughs> he burst into tears. Yeah. It was so sad. It was probably so for him. So he's 13 months yeah. at that point. 13. So I don't know. Cause I don't, are they 
walk? Is he walking he, or talking at that point? He was just starting to learn to walk. Actually, he kind of he okay. took his first steps with us in the guest house before he went okay. home. So yeah. He oh was wow. That, yeah, that stage. And do they know? Like, I know too because they don't keep keep birth certificates in Ethiopia. So is he really? that like do they really know or with, is it like give or take yeah with Farouk it's pretty I mean it might be a couple weeks off but because he was okay. so young it's easier to know like you know about the time he was born with the girls it's a little different because they were older yeah, yeah so I, I think with him he might be a couple weeks off but that's it you know and do they tell you a birth date or did yeah, you just they, make up they made birthday? Birthday. Okay. Up, so it's kind of okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> I love that. So you see this little being and he starts crying. And then how long do you stay in Ethiopia for till you come home? It w- I think it was two weeks. And um, actually, the really cool thing is my parents were able to come out. They came out. We were there for a week by ourselves with him at the guest house. And then my parents came. And that was so special. It was really, really special to have them there and have them experience that. Because it's it's hard to convey to someone. I mean, there's something you go through when when you go to that country and you're there and they got to go to the orphanages with us and it's hard to share that fully unless you've been there and experienced it. So that was really special. And I guess to back up. So while I was waiting to travel to Ethiopia to pick up Baruch, I just super into wanting to do as much as I could to help these kids in Ethiopia. It was like my heart had just, you know, burst open and I wanted to do something And so there was an organization that had just started and they were sponsoring kids at the government orphanage in Asbaba. And so what it would be was they would match you with a kid and you would send money every month and that would be enough for to help with their school and food and just basic stuff. And you'd also write letters back and forth and send pictures. So right before we left for Ethiopia, they sent me a picture and it was of my oldest, uh, Tigus. Oh, get out of yeah. here. So you were sponsoring yeah, her? So I was sponsoring her. And then did you see her when you so, were there? Yeah. So when my parents came out, that was one of the things I wanted to do was go visit Tigus. Okay. And so uh-huh. we had brought a bunch of donations and we stopped at the orphanage where she was at. And I remember I asking, again, it was kind of one of the things like when we went to get Baruch, it was like, oh, it's Tigus here. And they're like, they looked at each other and I showed the picture and they're like, I don't know if she's still here anymore. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and so finally yeah. someone found her and brought her up. And I remember she came over and she looked, she was so darling. Uh, she came up and she was kind of scared, but trying to be sweet, you know? And um, did she know who you were? No, like, not really. No, yeah. like that you're like sending money I don't or anything think so. like that. And how old, how old is she at that time? I think she was probably seven ish. Okay. And so we took pictures with her and kind of talked to her, you know, with the translator. And we got back in the car after that. And my mom turned to me and she's like, I think Baruch needs a sister. And I was like, mom, don't uh. that. <laughs> but it wasn't soon after we got home that uh, I kind of started working on that <laughs> to see. If yeah. So you have like, you have a newborn at home pretty much and, or like, and also like a baby for you right like yeah like yeah exactly acclimating to just like how do you prepare like i mean i guess like any parent is i always hear it's kind of instinctual that you know what to get and yeah it really was it's kind of crazy to think about especially because you know my kids didn't come from me but that instinct is still was still there oh i love that yeah and you know a lot sometimes it's trial and error but i feel like 
you know, and I didn't always get it perfect, but I feel like, yeah, it was just an instinct. And with Baruch in particular, and I don't know how, if this is how most moms feel after they give birth, but it was like, for me, like falling in love. Like I didn't care if I ate, I didn't need to sleep. All I wanted to do was take care of him. It like kind of gave me this extra energy where I could, you know, if I didn't sleep or whatever, it didn't matter because I was just wanted to take care of this little baby. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. And, I, and again, it was, you know, trial and error. You kind of figure out what works, but he was older. I mean, and he was eating real food. And so there were a lot of things we didn't have to deal with like you would with a newborn, I guess, but he was sleeping and whatever. So. And when, when he like, st- I mean, obviously then because he wasn't speaking, like when you said you like spoke to Tigus, you had a translator there. So he's like learning English again, I guess, as his first language then. Yeah, he knew some baby words. Actually, Baruch was super verbal and he knew he would have his baby Ethiopian words that we would say to him. And then he picked up English, right? I mean, he was... I mean, he's still extremely chatty, if you know now, but yeah, he started talking right instantly. Like he was picking up words really quick. So and he would, okay. at the time he would have this scream, like when he wanted something. And I remember thinking, oh man, I got to hurry up and teach this kid how to talk. So scream every time he wants something. <laughs> but so what were some of like the fun things that you would, like you said, you just got energy. So what were some of the fun things that you and Baruch would do in? He was a baby. I loved, so I was lucky enough to be able to stay home with him. I didn't have to go to work. And it was also really fortunate that a bunch of my friends were having kids that were all his age. So we would go meet up at parks with my friends and he would play with their kids. We, I loved, we lived pretty close to the beach and I put him in his Bob stroller and we would walk with the dogs on the beach. And, you know, he loved playing in the sand. He loved going to coffee shops with me, which is still something I love to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was on. just, I kind of just decided, you know, the things I love, like, and then we'll go from there as he develops the things he likes to do. And so, yeah, we would do our walks and play dates and um, he loved to read. We would, we would read a ton and yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. It was a, definitely a different time, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And was your, husband, ex-husband, like bonding with him as well? Yeah. Like I said earlier, he had a job where he traveled a lot. So he was gone fairly often and he would be gone for weeks or months at a time. Oh, wow. So yeah, there there was a lot of time where it was just Baruch and I, but yeah, he did, you know, the guy I was married to is, was really into music and Baruch still is to this day. And, you know, he would mess around on the guitar oh, and cool. stuff. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. Pass that on. Yeah. So then you said, so shortly after you started getting the itch for getting, for having a baby number two. <laughs> yeah. A big baby. Big, <laughs> big, a big baby. Big yeah. yeah. I couldn't <laughs> shake it after I met Tiggest. And even in the first picture they sent me of her, she's a beautiful girl, but her eyes were so sad and it just broke my heart. And, you know, for the kids that are at the government orphanage, some of them get adopted but most of them end up just kind of going through the system and then being sent out on their own when they're 16, 17, 18 years old. And it's harder too for older kids to get adopted. And mm-hmm. I, I couldn't shake her. I, she, I just couldn't think about her having to be there. And anyway, I started working. So I started talking about So you were specifically wanting her. her. Yeah. I, I knew yeah. that I wanted more kids eventually, but I don't think I would have jumped into it as quickly. 
Now, is it more, is it more challenging to do it at that level versus at the level that you did? Cause you said they were government. Versus it like ended up being a lot more challenging. Yeah. And so her process okay. took two years, which is crazy because oh, wow. you would think, you know, she wasn't going to be getting out of the orphanage. It wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, there was any chance of that, but it, there was a lot of red tape. They don't keep records the same way we do. So we had, I probably had three court dates with her and it took three tries to finally pass. Wait, so you were having to go back to Ethiopia back and forth three different times? I did actually. I didn't have to, but you know, it's kind of one of those things that sometimes you feel like you get things done better if you're there. And actually one time I traveled there. So one really beautiful thing that's going to come from really Baruch's adoption is I've probably had six or seven friends I know end up adopting kids, like close friends. And one of my best friends, Maria, she, um, shortly after Baruch came home, like I think seeing him and seeing our experience just really opened her eyes to the need. And she had, she had one daughter already, um, but she decided to start adopting from Rwanda, which is close to Ethiopia. So anyway, on one of the court dates um, we had for tickets, she so happened to be in Rwanda picking up her, um, of her kids. So we were able, she had to go through Ethiopia to get her visa and we were able to meet up together and be in uh-huh. Ethiopia together. So it was really special. But during one of the court dates, they told me, um, you know, it doesn't look like Tigas is going to be able to be adopted. It's just not going to work out. That's crazy. And so the kind of the adoption agency we were with said, this is all we can do, but you're all approved. You can adopt. There's tons of other, you know, seven, eight year old little mm-hmm. girls. You know, if you want to switch over and adopt one of them, you can. And wait, you can adopt from the agency you had previously yeah. adopted from. Yeah, and you know, that's adopt. crazy. And, yeah, um, but they said, you know, with Tigus, it's kind of a done deal. Like it's, it doesn't look like we're going to be able to pass court. And um, they told me it was a day we were supposed to leave to go home, back home to the U.S. And I remember just breaking down, crying, and being like, "There's got to be, there's got to be something else. I'm not. That's not good enough for me. Like that's." I'm not gonna. Of course, that's so you. (laughs) It's this like so quiet, but that's so you. Like I'm gonna keep going. (laughs) Uh Yeah, I can be kind of stubborn if I want to be. So, Uh (laughs) especially with Mama Bear. Well, that's it. There's something that switches when you become a mom, and it's like I'll do anything Uh for those kids. And yeah, so our driver who was Ethiopian, he said he saw me crying and stuff. He's like, "Wait, I know someone." that works at another adoption agency. Let me call him and see what he thinks. He was an Ethiopian guy. So he calls him up and the guy said, yeah, I want to help her. Give me her number. Tell her when she gets back to America to call me and we'll try to figure this out. So we did. Cool. And they ended up being able to. Wow. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it, to me though, like all the things, like you say, like going back, you know, we were talking about manifestation yesterday and you know, where like something had happened where like something, I was thinking of something and it like popped up and I didn't even do anything. We're like, well, that's how manifestation happens. But to me that that's like a pure manifestation. Like you knew what you wanted. And I mean, out of the taxi driver, like was like, oh, I know someone like it just, it's like it. Yeah. That's crazy. It was crazy. And really the adoptions of the kids have been, it's like so meant to be, you knew like Mm -hmm. she's your daughter. Yeah. Yeah. And just believing that, I mean, that, that whole process with all three kids was probably the most spiritual experience I've ever had in my life. And it, a lot of it, you know, it's easy to talk about it now, 
but at the time, you know, waiting two years to bring tickets home was so hard. That was one of the hardest things I've ever had to go through to know, you know, she's so far away and I don't know if she's being taken care of. Um, I remember they had sent me pictures. She had busted open her eye on like some rusty old play equipment. Because you're still sponsoring her at this yeah, point, right? And, and you're still I had met some of the people in the orphanage um, or like other families would go visit and take stuff to her for us. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so that was really cool. Did she really get it? Did kind they really of, give her? Not really. Uh-huh. Not till I think they, they, uh-huh. they're really careful not to tell the kids to because they don't want the kids to get disappointed. Get so not so. until usually you pass or will they tell them, you know, this family's adopting you. So so she's nine by the time you actually get her. Right. So she was nine. She, she was, it was a week off from her, the birthday they gave her to turn nine. And, you know, I think part of the purpose in it taking two years is that along the way and all the trips to Ethiopia was that I got to meet Abby. Um, and so Abby was one of her- That gave me the chills. <laughs> But I'm also thinking you're also raising uh, like a 13, 15 or like, I don't know, you guys, your mom's talking months, but um, you're like raising a one year old and three year old. So you're trying to be that for, for group, but then also you're like going through your own like challenges of, you know, trying to get. Tigus. Yeah. And I actually remember one day, and it must have been when Baruch was a little older, probably closer to two, we were driving to Trader Joe's. And I remember just crying in the car over, the, you know, not being sure what's going to happen with Tigus. And I remember Baruch like comforting me and like, it's okay, mom, we'll bring home Tigus, you know. And, um, oh, he yeah, knew. Just, yeah. And he was just such a verbal <laughs> kid. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, um, it's cute. So then you, so then you're saying through your journey with Tigus, you met Abby. Yeah. So, um, on one of the trips, she, there was just a group of probably like five or six little girls all around the same age. And they would always hang out together and they were, you know, hang out with Tigist and come and say hi to us. And I remember one day, is she in the government agency yeah. or in the other? Yeah, she was in the government. Okay. She was, you know, one of Tigist's best friends and they would share a bed. And actually the first, I, I had gotten a picture of Tigist. Um, someone sent it to me and it had, what I thought was a little boy next to her. And I remember saying, oh, that's the most beautiful little boy I've ever seen. It turns out it was Abby. They had cut her hair. <laughs> but then I got to see her in person. And um, I remember she passed by me. And she, if you know Abby, she has just like the sparkliest eyes. And she gave me a little smile and kind of like a little twinkle in her eye. And she looked a little mischievous. And I remember thinking, oh, I wonder if that little girl is available for adoption. And you're like, I'll take you, I'll take you, I'll take you. We, we asked, you know, we realized the bond that Tigist had with her friends. And, you know, with older kid adoptions, it's, I think it can be a hard transition for those kids. You know, they even though they don't have much, it's all they've ever known. And, you know, to take them to a place where nothing looks like home, you know, it seemed important that, you know, maybe we started talking about it and it felt like, well, maybe, maybe we should see if one of her friends is available too. And so we became good friends <laughs> with um, some of the volunteers at the orphanage. And I remember talking to one of the guys who was Ethiopian and just kind of mentioning it, like, are any of her friends available? And he's like, oh yeah, Abagia, Abagia is. And I said, which one was she? And he's like, I'll show you tomorrow. And I remember that night being like, I hope it's the little girl this I called her the little Rasta girl because her hair was all dreadlocked out. Like, this uh-huh. is the little Rasta girl. 
Uh-huh. But I thought they shaved, I think so they cut her this hair. This was like later on. The picture okay, I got okay. was like from, you know, a couple months to a year. Early. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so did that process, were you able to go? So were, so at that point, did you know you were adopting Tagus when you were like, I met yeah. Abby too? Or? Yeah. Okay. We had probably already failed like two court dates at that point. And I think we were at, we were with a new agency and we had gone over there. And so the agents, the new agency we were with doesn't normally allow for two unrelated siblings to be adopted at once. I was going to say, did you take them at the same time? I like, did. Were you then now you're like, I'm going and doing this one. And now I'm like, I'm going to go and do two at one time. Yeah. And the, wow. the adoption agency, that's not something they allow for, but I wrote them a long letter and treated <laughs> my case. Maggie fashion. Yeah. So they made, they made an exception. And so actually mm-hmm. getting approval for Abby happened faster than tickets, but we were able to, it was close enough to where we, you know, I went and, and then again, actually the last, the final thing was, so after we passed court for both the girls, you have to get approved by the embassy to get a visa to come home. And that's not hard, but um, it was right around the rainy season. And in the rainy season in Ethiopia, they shut everything oh. down. Oh, and sure. so I hadn't heard from the embassy and I'm like, forget this. I booked a plane ticket and I was going to go sit in the embassy office until they gave me <laughs> the visa. And so that's what I ended up doing. Wait, they, the girls needed the visa yeah. to be able to come yeah. over. And so I just, without knowing if I was going to get approval, Jeez. I just decided to fly over there. And, um, because if we had waited, it would be like the matter of like three months. So it was so they shut down for three months. So it was like, I don't want to wait three oh, months. That. Yeah already waited this long so you have this adoption date that they're like here you have to come on this date usually and then you yeah so usually you pass court and then they submit all the documents to the embassy and then the embassy reviews it and then approves it and then you're all set to come and fly and everything and so i came early and my plan was to go sit in the embassy office until and be there in person again and to be like can you please approve me (laughs) yeah Um, well that's cool though because i mean either way like if oh, but you couldn't because I was gonna say because even if you had to be there for three months, you'd be with the girls. No, well, yeah, right? but I wouldn't be able. To, you know, I didn't take Baruch on that trip, and I don't think I could have. That was torture. I was gone for a week, and that was torture to be away from him. Oh, because you were away from Baruch. Yeah. So yeah. that was really okay. Fun. So you went back, and then you went. You sat in the embassy, and I guess it worked. Yeah, out and it went. That was pretty easy. Yeah, they approved it right away, and it was easy. So wow. So you got both girls. So now are you, you were gone for one week, you said. So like you get the girls and then are you in that same little home? Yeah, it was a different one, but the same kind of setup and everything. And um, we had become friends with some of the other families there. Um, Yeah, and we would just hang out. You can't do a whole lot. They don't recommend, you know, especially with the kids and everything so new and so we, we kind of just would hang out the guest house. Well, what I'm thinking though, too, they don't speak English. No, they speak right? English. Yeah. So like you're, <laughs> yeah, I'm assuming at that point you're having a translator. Yeah. Like and the people say, at the guest house, a lot right? of them, yeah, the drivers were really good about speaking English. Um, but yeah. It, and, you know, luckily the girls both picked it up pretty quick. I mean, Abby was, she would tell me things just saying the words and then this one, and then she points to stuff and then this one, and then this one, she would tell me a whole story. So they, yeah. We were able to because so she's seven at that time. Yeah. So Tigus was nine, yeah. and then Abby was seven. Yeah. by then, yeah, okay. 
And so, oh, that's fascinating that she, that's crazy. Like she knew what it, like by pointing oh, yeah. what it would be in English or something yeah, or what it translated. Tell me things by pointing to it and acting it out. And um, so magical uh, there. Yeah. So then you get them home and they meet. Now you're out of the territory. And yeah, like you say, like they speak their language, you speak their language. You have a baby or he's two now. Yeah, I think he was, got almost, these two. He was two and a half. Yeah, I think. Or maybe he was three, actually. I can't remember. Uh, it was 2011 when we came home. Yeah, he must have been three because he was, if he was 13 months and then two years, right? Yeah. Yeah. Look at me. Look at you. In math skills. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> um, so, so now you have to blend them all together. I mean, I guess Tegas and Abby were friends, but now yeah. you have to blend the three. How is that? You know, we kind of just did it. I don't know. Looking back, it's like, I don't even know how it just happened. I think one thing that was really helpful was that, you know, Baruch was super verbal, but he was also speaking kind of baby talk, like little kid talk which was really simple. And I think that helps the girls pick things up quick because of him, you know, he was so chatty and talking, but it was just these simple phrases and words. And um, I think that made it easy. I put them in school right away, actually. And um, so they kind they, I mean, they were within weeks, I mean, days, weeks, they were speaking enough to get by and it just kind of kept going at super fast rate. But there were a lot of firsts. um, So up until that point, the girls for instance, had never brushed their teeth. So like, there was oh, like wow. a lot of things like that, that they had to learn, um, which is... Or were there teeth, were there, like, like you said, with Russia, you were dealing, like, it was like different issues that you were having to deal with. Like, how, were their teeth good? Oh yeah, no cavities. They were beautiful. Great. Wow. Neither wow. of them will be abrasive. They're straight. <laughs> they had no cavities. Yeah, it was pretty incredible, actually. Um, so... Yeah, just all all those first that you kind of take for granted, especially you know when when you have a baby and and then a toddler, and you're just kind of learning things as you go. But then all of a sudden you have mm-hmm. kids that don't know how to do any of that stuff. So mm-hmm. older kids. So I love that. And then so how so they went right into school, and then like just blending together, it just. Yeah, and I mean, it wasn't yeah, perfect. I don't want to, you know, yeah. there, it wasn't without mm-hmm. its struggles. You know, it was, you know, school was challenging, especially for Tigas being a little older. Um, she was behind already in math just because of the education she was getting in Ethiopia and then to have to learn English, you know, so there, there was a lot of yeah. things that were challenging, but not unbearable at the same time. How yeah. were kids like, how were the kids like, you know, they're, they're coming, they're moving to Encinitas, California. And like, how was that for them? Um, yeah. You know, coming. I mean, I think, well, like things like they were, uh, Ethiopia is a very modest country. And so like even going to the beach and wearing a one piece, they were, you know, super like not wanting to take off their clothes and wear their bathing suits of the beach you know there's things they had to kind of get over cultural things like that but I mean especially when they first started school they were the little superstars like all the other little girls want to be their friends they were like oh novel yeah so that that's awesome yeah yeah and I think they were I love that because I just think because if they weren't really even speaking the language though too like I guess it just kind of worked I mean I think they were at those ages where they were first and third grade where 
you know, kids just thought that was cool and kind of just embraced them. They had really great teachers. We really lucked out. It was just such a warm and nurturing environment for them to get into. So yeah, you know, there were things... Tigis had a hard time. She had a lot of grief, you know, missing Ethiopia and missing her other friends. And, you know, that was really hard. I, I was really fortunate. One of my best friends was Ethiopian and she would be able to come over and um, translate for me and kind of help work through some of those harder things mm, just so I can hear what's going on. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, perfect or whatever, but, but it was all manageable. You know, we managed mm-hmm. it and kind of just took each thing as it came and worked through it. And I know like I met you through jujitsu and then I, we started realizing all the connections that yeah. we had through like, cause we have several other friends that have um, adopted from Ethiopia as well, which, you know, Encinitas is a small town that um, you actually like are friends with the same people and actually Brooke and um, Stephanie and um Brad, they they go surfing. Yeah, yeah, every weekend, every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's pretty special. Which is super cute. Yeah, and then Dawn does Brooke's yeah. hair, yeah. and she's got two from yeah. from there too. So I love that you guys also have like a little community in that. Yeah, in, in itself too. Yeah, that was pretty important. The girls had a friend too. She moved away kind of more recently, but that they would see often a couple of girls their age. And so that was really good to have those connections. You know, it has changed a little as they've gotten older, but especially when they were, you know, really new and kind of adjusting, it was good to have the, and, and also good for me to have parents that had gone through it too. So, you know, it's, it is different than having a baby biologically. And um, so it was good to have other parents that we could talk about things together. Is, um, are they like, so now how are their relationships now? Cause I think it's really cute to see, like, do they act like siblings? Are they, they like each other? How do they act? Yeah, now? they have, they definitely have their moments where they don't get along for sure, but they, all three of them have a really special relationship, especially the girls are, it's like their best friends and sisters, you know, which I think is a really special relationship. And, you know, they still share a room and I think, you know, maybe our circumstances in general of our family have kind of bonded us all together in a different way. Um, you know, I, we went through some, uh, which I don't know if we'll get to, but some kind of more traumatic stuff uh, when my husband left. And I think just the four of us have bonded together probably in a way that's yeah. unique. But um, they definitely have their moments. But And one thing that bonds them all together is music. They're all super musically inclined, especially my oldest and my youngest. And they're always singing at the dinner table, singing while they do their chores. Like, yes, and that, that's super <laughs> cool that they have that, that they can do. I know. And so how old were they? So you and your husband um, divorced. How long had you had them? Uh, we had had the girls not quite a year yet. So it was like... Oh, wow. on, yeah. So you basically, and when he left, he completely left. Yes, um, but he was no longer in the picture. Um, yeah. and, so became- and like Maggie said, we can't talk about for legal reasons, um, but it was a traumatic um, event for them. But as every traumatic event, it does probably bring you a lot closer. And th- that's like what I see like with you guys. I'm like, oh, my God, they're like just the cutest little family unit. And when she says they're like, so we had um, 
this Christmas, there was a raffle for some Christmas decorations. <laughs> and and um, did they win that? Yeah, raffle? I think it was like a three-way win- tie, whoever participated. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but they just busted out. I didn't, I thought it was, again, I thought that was a joke. And then the next thing, the next day, I think Maggie sent on our text thread their little melody, Christmas melody that they they busted out. And it was like totally acoustic. And they were so good. I love them. And they're just so happy. And I do like their little personality. I, actually, they're not little. Um, <laughs> their personalities and just seeing how you bond with them. Cause like you actually like physically, you look like you could be their sibling too. <laughs> well, Cause you're you. so tiny, you know? <laughs> and so it's like cute just seeing like we go to hip hop dance class and the girls go to hip hop and it's Abby, right? She just like oh, yeah. busts out. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> I just, I love seeing them and it's just, it's, it is really amazing. Um, and you've done a phenomenal job. Oh, thank you. It's easy. Way to go, Chica. <laughs> <laughs> so it's easy when you have amazing kids. So I definitely hit the spot yes. with them. And I mean, like you said, you, so they were, you were, you were raising pretty much three kids by yourself, but you also are very close with your parents and your siblings, right? So they're very active in yeah. their lives as well. Yeah. And it, that was, we actually lived with my parents for three months and then, um, we've lived close by with them and that's, that's been great. I mean, Baruch is best friends with my dad and <laughs> it's actually really sweet. <laughs> Even like the, the joke now is like every Christmas, my mom buys them the same like flannel or shirt. And, oh, and Baruch loves twinning with them. I, I keep thinking he's going to get too old for that, but he loves it. So, um, so yeah, I've been so blessed to have the support of my family and, um, you know, they would take the kids on little mini vacations or take them overnight, which was really helpful, you know, just so I could get a little bit of a break. And uh, I've been able to work for the family business and um, that allowed... Yeah. And you had to navigate going back to work. Yeah. Too, right? So that was a big thing. Yeah. And yeah, I hadn't worked in years. And I, I ended up going back to teaching. I used to teach high school English. And I, I did that for about oh. a semester, a year I went back. But Unfortunately, it just it's hard to make ends meet on one teaching income and having three kids and living in Encinitas. And so I remember that was, you know, sitting in my bed one night and kind of doing the math, figuring out, you know, how much I need to make the monthly mortgage or the monthly rent. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to cut it on this salary. I'm like, I need uh, something else. And my dad had always said, yeah. you know, if you want to come work for me, just let me know. And so that night I texted him and I said, well, is that offer still open? And so I jumped in and that's been the best move I've ever made. It's been phenomenal. So, um, but yeah, it allows me to be able to go pick them up from school and, you know, be around in the late afternoons with them and have dinner together. And so I feel really fortunate that I do that. And you do get like mom of the word, like, because also I feel like you're such a great, um, cause Baruch, you actually, did you start jujitsu cause Baruch was doing jujitsu yeah you know I grew up and then now he doesn't do oh, it doesn't do it well yeah now he's super into surfing and I'm like you want me to start surfing yeah. again with you and he's like <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's awesome because it's like such a really awesome role model you know and like I I see because there's nights when I'm like Maggie like we have our, our date night for jujitsu and um I'm like, Maggie, I'm not coming to class because I'm too tired. And you just religiously go. And I'm like, I mean, I know now they're older, so they like can like 
you know, fend for themselves and take care of them themselves. But like you just, you do, you like cook dinner, you like, (laughs) you you know, you go do your stuff. Like you have your routine and I just, I'm so admirable. Admire of it and just well, like, Steph is is that a Stephism? Yeah. Steph Blair, write that one down. <laughs> oh, but yeah, it's like a yeah. machine. You know, we have our we definitely have our rhythm, and um, you know, we try to keep things in that routine because if one little piece gets out of line, then you know everything kind of spins up. But, yeah, it's not easy. Yeah. I'd love to end on one thing. What are some of your favorite family traditions that you guys have created? Oh. Well, what I love, and I'm so grateful, even though my kids are older now, they still love is, you know, we do little things around the holidays, like even like on St. Patrick's Day or Valentine's Day, I'll leave them little goodies by there where they eat every morning. So they wake up on those holidays and they have their little goodies and they're just so into that. They're all three of them are really great gift givers and they love to write little notes and leave things like that. And so that's been something that, you know, super fun. And um, kind of more recently, in the last couple of years, we started taking trips together, um, just the four of us. And that's been just so awesome. Most of the time, it's road trips. And um, we it's just such a special time to bond together. And you know, we go on our hikes or, you know, what, we went to New York on one of our trips. And it was just so special just to be the four of us, you know, and yeah. kind of had that experience, cool. that adventure together. and Making those memories. Yeah. But a lot of times it centers around usually them performing for me. I'm not, they, they have all those gifts I don't. So I'll just sit back and watch, <laughs> but they love to perform. So they dance and sing. And um, yeah, that's, that's another fun thing we like to do together. I love that. And you guys, you, you and Baruch still go get coffee together. Yeah. Not so much anymore. He's like uh, no. getting to that age, but the girls will, they'll still go with me. Yeah. And does it take us work at Abby. a coffee shop? Yes, I got her Abby a little summer job. Yeah. <laughs> Put her to work. Yeah. But I, one one tradition that I'll say that I love that you guys do is that you go get Ethiopian food in San Diego. Is it like weekly? You well, go down it used on Sunday to be. Nights? When the kids, name? when the girls okay. first came home, it was probably weekly. Um, now it's uh-huh. been spread out more, but actually we're going to go Monday. Um, so... Yeah, we try to go as often as we can. We have one spot we really love. And um, yeah, that's definitely a fun tradition we have. I love that. I love you. I so admire you. Thank you for who you are because you're just a beautiful person inside and out. And I'm so glad to call you my friend. Well, thank you. Such an honor to be on this. Thank you for listening. My hope is that this conversation has inspired you with a new awareness and has uncovered some beauty and wisdom within you. If you have enjoyed what you heard today, please feel free to share it with a friend and please subscribe, rate, and review it on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for me, please feel free to reach me at stephanie.brownyard at gmail.com. Talk to you soon.